Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. This is Senator Penny Wong. You're listening to Australia's only gay and lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. I'm Chris. I'm Gordon. And that leaves me to be Phil. Yeah. Certainly does. Thank you for being with us. The three musketeers. The whatever. Three, the three happy chappies. Oh, is that what we are, aren't we? Well, that's how we were described by one of our email writers in errors. Oh, writer. And can I just apologise to the guy on our theme music who starts his piano solo and we turn him down. <laughs> Every single week, the poor guy. He well, probably he, studied for years. Yeah, he, he's been practicing for a long, long time. Yeah, poor man. <laughs> oh, he's, oh, now he's, he's got gone. the band with him. Yeah, so he's gone away. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, thank you for joining us on this, our celebration of our 750th show. It is an auspicious occasion. We're Not suspicious, but auspicious. <laughs> I could be a bit suspicious as I well. I came in because you said it was going to be a delicious occasion. <laughs> <laughs> no, back in the year 2000, which is 17 years, well, 16 and a half years ago, in November the year 2000, myself, Bill, Jeffrey, Annette Pope, Bill Pasick, Anita Gibbons, and a cast of thousands were given the task of filling out a two-hour show because there were sections of our program grid in those days that weren't particularly focusing on what we were asked to do. So that's what happened there. And Bill and myself started with a small group of people, as I've just mentioned, and we filled up two hours of chat about theatre scene in Melbourne, theatre music, community groups, and people from the community who were setting the scene and calling the shots in our gay community at that stage. Now, Gordon, the year 2000, does that mean much to you in the year, in in how we were developing as a gay community? Well, of course, we're right in the middle of the the sort of the AIDS epidemic, which was another thing that was really, really bringing us together to sort of fight something that was pretty bloody horrible. And it was a, it was a, a time of a lot of introspection about what people were thinking about what what could be happening and all the rest of it. But there's always been the optimism, I think, in the gay community that things will get better. And I think we've always been an optimistic group of people and we've always strived to make it better. And we will never actually get to that no, winning post. No, no, but it's the striving to get there that's the main, and what the is main it, game. We're trying to get there so we've got a happy smile on our face or social equality, things mm, like this. Yeah. That's right. But and access to marriage and access to family. Well, that's, we're going to be discussing that a bit later in we the will. program, won't we? It, yeah. a, a quote from Homer Simpson, yes, oh. if I may. You may, yes. That he got from the annual Mustache Day Parade. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're here, we're queer, get used to it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a comment from a, a listener who said, Phil's always wonderful with everything about The Simpsons. He said he just loves your Simpsons asides. Well, see, some people have a life. Yes. I have The Simpsons. <laughs> Yeah, but it, so, but yeah, as part of our celebration, I, I've dug up four little sound grabs from some of our previous shows, and we're not going to play a, a lot of stuff, but there are interesting bits and pieces to it. And There are some but, great stories. Oh, there are lots of stories, yeah. and a lot yeah. of these have been actually committed to the archives, the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives, and one of them covers the story of the drag scene, the showgirl scene in Melbourne in the 70s and 80s and finishing up early 90s with Jan Hillier's shows at the Prince of Wales Hotel in St Kilda. The show's called Pokies. They were wonderful. They created such a buzz in the community that you, you could you could hardly get into the places on Sunday night, into the into the Prince of Wales on a Sunday night. You went, did you? I've been there, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I used to go, that was my religion. Yes. I'm going to church tonight. Going to church tonight, yes. <laughs> but it was just, a, it was just it, you, you could be there, it was safe, it was fun, and everybody just had a wonderful, wonderful time. And it was in the middle of the crisis, of course. Yeah, to, you know. but, but Jan Hillier as a person was wonderful with she had that entrepreneuring spirit she recognized that the gay community needed dancers because until then we just wander around from pub to pub or have social parties Mm. at people's houses but there were problems because the crowds were building and building and no one could let a hundred people into the house and expect to survive that so jan thought well why don't i set up some dancers and she did And she found good venues, and eventually they landed in the Prince of Wales, started to produce shows with uh, Doug Lucas. Hmm. Marvellous. Dougie Lucas, yes. He was a great performer. There was a series of shows being done for the straight community, well, for the ordinary community, just up the road from the Prince of Wales in those days. And it was a showgirl show. It was a Las Vegas-type tits and feathers. Hmm. And this is the show. And, uh, of course, the capitals for that were written out on the front of the building, T-I-T-S. So that dragged in a lot of people uh, who wanted to see showgirls. But little did they know that some of the showgirls weren't. They were show blokes, but they were dressed as showgirls. That's right. And they were so good, you could hardly tell the difference. They were were just so beautiful-looking guys. And there was music around that provided the opportunity for people to to dance, to do acts. There were films that we would take off the the show pieces from Mm. and Mm. represent them for the Sunday Night Crew. But I've got a little grab here from our friend Jan Hillier, a couple of years before her death. He came up and said, look, I don't mean to complain, but somebody's having sex under my table. And I said, what? It was my dance. She said, we're sitting down here. I said, where? And in those days, I served cabana, celery, you know, you used to pay, I think, $2, I can't remember, $2 or $3, but it was cheap. I was always cheap to get in, contrary to what everybody says. I'm the mega millionaire, I'm not. Anyhow, so over to her table I went and we had the cabana and the celery and everything on the table and the tablecloth was hanging down to the floor. And I said, there's nobody rooting here. She said, yes, lift that tablecloth. And there was a guy and a girl going hell for leather. So I lifted up my foot 
and pushed his heart and said, get up from... Hey, I swore then. That's all right. We'll let you do that, Jan. I said, get up off that floor and get out of this dance immediately. I thought, half your luck, I haven't had one for six months. (laughs) <laughs> that was so typical of the situation that Jan... <laughs> Jan, really everything could... always happened to Jan. She always had those absolutely amazing little stories to tell about things that had happened in the gay scene. They were absolutely... She was a, a full bottle on some very, very funny stories. Uh, she told the story on that particular program, which was in it was in the year 2000, and... It's now in the annals of the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives uh, on our show. How she noticed that there was no trouble in the pubs where she was holding dances at. And that was because some of the local, as she called the mafia, liked coming along to that pub and and enjoying our company and our shows. Mm. And all the other hoodlums around town apparently wouldn't therefore bother us because they knew the big mafia boys were in there. It's nice to have protection. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I don't think she ever had to pay for it, but there we go. (laughs) But it was her attitude, a wonderful attitude. She was just a wonderful spirited woman. She really was. I, I really loved Jan. I thought she was a great... I knew her quite personally as well as... Uh, from, from what she was doing. We should point out, though, that what we're referring to as pokies has got nothing to do with pokies today. Oh, no, no, no. There, no, there was no, no machi- gaming machines. There was no gaming machines in those days. Although a lot of the people were on the game, though. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um, one of our other guests you already know because we quite often play their intro, and their intro goes like this. Hello, we're the Kransky Sisters on Joy Joy. 94.9. The Kransky Sisters are back in Melbourne, especially after uh, touring uh, the UK and New Zealand, and uh, we welcome them once again. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Good morning. Yes, and uh, Gordon and Chris. Chris, yes. What are we going to expect in this show? Uh, have you got new music in there as well as some of the old favourites? We've got yes. all new songs. Yes. yes, we have all new songs. Excellent. Yes. Now, I've always wondered, where do you find your songs? How, how, do you, how are you exposed to them? Well, do we don't expose ourselves to anything. Let's leave that to those naked people on the beach. Oh, oh, oh sorry, sorry, I apologise. No, well, do you listen, go to concerts or do you uh, have an iPod or any of these oh. wonderful new devices? No, no, we actually just listen to our wireless in the car and at home. And that's how we learn all of our songs. Learn all of our songs. And the rest of our shows, of course, are made up of uh, our stories that we've uh, gathered travelling around the countryside. Mm, around the countryside. Uh, and all the songs you hear are only the ones we've heard on the wireless. And you have a wonderful ear for actually capturing the tune, but I'm not sure about the rhythm that you capture. The Kransky sisters have just picked up their instruments and the musical devices as well, and uh, they're going to play a little song for us. So here we go, standing back. You count yourselves in. Pretty woman Walking down the street Pretty woman The kind I like to meet Pretty woman I don't believe you You're not the truth No one could look as good as you Wow, yes Pretty woman Won't you pardon me Pretty woman I couldn't help but see Pretty woman But you are lovely 
Indeed, the wonderful Kransky sisters with this musical saw, yeah. and there's a tuba in the background from Eva, Wava, I think. Wava. Mm. Out of their costumes, they must have been very, very beautiful women, because I was sitting up very close to them during one time they were in the studio, and I was amazed at how, how beautiful they were, and yet they made themselves look so plain and dowdy in their costumes. <laughs> or grey. Yeah, and it was just, just unbelievable. But when you were up close to them, they were absolutely quite beautiful women. Yeah, Just the little shtick, the, the main sister saying, you know, like finishing a sentence look, and then having the repeat of that yeah, end of sentence. We, we listened to the radio in the wireless in our car. Yes. In the wireless in, in our car. car. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a lot and like you. Now we know where you get it from, Gordon. Yes, yes I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they were they were really lovely people to interview. Melbourne's lovable radio station, Joy ninety four point nine. And that was the theme that we used to have in the early days of being there, done that. In the mood. Glenn Miller. They yes. don't write songs like that anymore. They, they don't, certainly don't. No. Much, <laughs> much the poorer. Oh, yes. Yeah. Great swing stuff. One of the people that Bill secured an interview for the show was Miriam Margulies. Now, we, we know Miriam, don't we, Gordon? Oh, very well. She was wonderful. She I met her out in the green room uh, before I, when I was waiting to come in to do a show or something rather. And she just chatted on as if she'd known me for years. She's a very disarming woman, but boy, she can be very blunt and forward when she has to be. Phil, do you know Miriam at all? She was in the Harry Potter films. Oh, well, yeah. one of them at least. Yeah. But yes, I'm, I'm aware of her work. I think she's been in all of them, hasn't she? Professor Sprout. Yeah, yeah. I, I've not seen them, so I don't know. No. But she was not only known for that particular role, but also her portrayal of lots of Dickens's women. She sent that program around the world. She acted in that. Great show. I saw her perform that. I've seen her do most of her live performance shows, and she's just absolutely mind-bogglingly brilliant. You don't look at Miriam Margulies, you're looking at the person she's playing. It's an amazing, amazing characterisation that she has to do. Mm. You know, she's just wonderful, wonderful actor. Do you realise that she's half Australian? Well, she's, she's an Australian citizen, yes. She yes. certainly is. Yes. On Australia Day 2013, and she announced uh, and she referred to herself as a dyke on live on national television <laughs> in front of the, the Prime Minister of the day, Julia Gillard. Actually, Miriam and her partner own a, a block of land in the southern highlands of New South Wales. They've been there for 
quite a while. Her, so her, she shares her time between London, Tuscany and Robertson in New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. That's how Miriam... She, uh, she used to be in Blackadder. Oh, she did. Oh, God, that was funny. She was, <laughs> she, she was so funny in that. It was just, she was the queen in that. And she was a takeoff of Queen Victoria. <laughs> Hello, this is Miriam Margulies, and you are listening to Joy 94.9. Our guest in the studio is Miriam Margulies. Vito and I are so chuffed to uh, have this wonderful, wonderful person with us. Uh, Miriam, why is Dickens a favourite of yours? I can't imagine why he isn't a favourite of yours, and indeed everybody's, because I love him so much and I just don't see that you couldn't. He writes fabulous characters. He has marvellous plots. He explores English society from top to bottom. He shows humanity in all its pain and betrayal and cruelty and glory. He writes in the most wonderful prose, I think, of anybody ever. And in himself, the man himself, is such a fascinating man. The life he led, so poor as a child, so wealthy when he got older, and yet... At the end of his life, and he died when he was only 58, so unfulfilled, so sad. I think he's just an amazing creature, and I'm intoxicated by him. It wasn't until I'd seen the the marathon of Nicholas Nickleby that I realised the incredible epic that that story had with it. You know, all that, that eight hours, all those characters, and the sweep that happened within just that story. Our guest in the studio tonight is uh, Miriam Margulies in Australia to perform Dickens' Women. Miriam, thank you very, very much for your time tonight. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Your voice, your radio station. Joy 94.9. As we said uh, before, that Bill was actually a very good uh, part of the team. In fact, he was the producer for a lot of the shows in the early years. And then he bequeathed that task to me. So it's a matter each week of sorting around, trying to work out what we're going to be talking about, trying to identify topics that are of relevance to our community and of this particular time of the century. Yeah, well, there's a lot happening at the moment, isn't there, in our community, really? Um, You've got the thing for uh, equal marriage. And there's also the thing about um, adoption for people that are, are, are gay, want to be gay parents with adoptions. There's, that's still in the pipeline. Uh, but there's also the, the thing with gay families now, with men being able to um, have surrogacy uh, to, to get children. Or even adopting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gay adoption is, is a wonderful opportunity but, but that wasn't are, around for, for you or me in our days. Are they are still allowed to do that legally? Uh, adoption? I'm not sure in Victoria, but yeah. some states definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's but, one of those things, but, but the thing with um, gay parenting is that they all the, all the uh, information that's coming out of all the studies that they do overseas found that the children born to, that, that have um, two fathers or two mothers mm. are equally at, uh, uh, well, well adjusted, adjusted as anybody in the, any other child in yeah. the community. And they're gaby babies. And they're gaby babies, yes. That's right. Well, we did a little interview with one of the gaby day babies' daddies. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get it right. It doesn't, doesn't rhyme as much. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're listening to Been There, Done That with Chris, Bill and Gordon here on Joy 94.9. It's our pleasure to welcome to the studio Adrian Perillo. 
Hello, Adrian. Thank you so much for asking me into the studio. And where do we know your voice from? Uh, <laughs> I'm one half of, of Andy and Adrian, Tuesday and Thursday breakfast, and I'm the one without the glasses and without the hair. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a bright, cheery soul and a pleasure to listen to in the morning, I must say. Ah, thank you. And we've got you in here because uh, you've topped this little <laughs> clangor for the rest of the Joy family. You're going to be a parent. Yes, we're going to be dads. Ralph and I are pregnant. We're currently, I think, 20 weeks. Oh, Ooh, that's long to go then. So we've got, because it's twins, they're the normal gestation for uh, a single child is 40 weeks, but a normal gestation for twins is 36. So we've got about 16 weeks to go. Can I make the observation that you're keeping your figure very well? I'm keeping my... <laughs> I'm, I, I am eating for three, but I'm not putting on any, any, any kilos at all. <laughs> Whose idea was it to um, bring children into your lives? Uh, was it you or Ralph? And uh, who had to start the talk about what do you think if we... I'd always wanted kids, and um, Ralph and I have been out going out now for, I don't know, I think it's seven years. We kind of lost count. I think it's, it's seven years. And it was just a conversation that we had that started kind of naturally. Um, we both realized we wanted kids, and I was the one who was really explaining to... I explained to Ralph what happens with commercial surrogacy, because he wasn't as across it um, as I was, because I had come across it through a number of different ways, including uh, some of the uh, docos that had been on SBS. And we, we had... Uh, there was a documentary about Tony and An uh, Anthony and Lee, sorry... And they came on our radio show, which is kind of one of the ways that I had learned about it. Uh, Ralph and I talked about it, and uh, we went to a couple of forums that had been held. And really, it's something we've talked about for seven years. So This is brilliant. But, but of course, we've now got the public disclosures by uh, famous yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it. And, but you're not copying it. No, no, not at all. And I think it's uh, interesting because this ha hasn't happened to us two months ago or, or three months ago. We, we had to start this over a year ago. So in, in many ways, the process for us started, uh, you know, very early 2010. Um, which was really before anyone, before it really kind of happened. But I think you're going to hear a lot more of it this year. There are going to be many people that are currently, um, you know, three months pregnant that haven't talked about it. And it's and, and over the course of this year, you'll hear about it. Yeah, it's definitely kind of come of age doing it this way. You said that you and Rolf were talking about this for seven years. Have you covered the... Things like uh, <clears throat> the first year of sleeplessness yeah. and um, <laughs> you know, sending them off to school. and Going through the process, it got to a stage where it felt like we were planning our retirement in this whole process because there's a lot more planning and there's a lot more contracts and legal stuff that you need to go through. So you need to, as part of the process decide who will take care of the children if Ralph and I both die, for example. So going through the legal process required us to think about that. So we were sitting there going, okay, well, who's going to, you know, who's going to do that? And then you go through the kind of financial conversation where you say, all right, well, we're going to need, oh, now we've got kids, we're going to need a bigger house. Where do we live at the moment? Where do we want to live? How much can we afford? How much money are we going to have? Where do we want to maybe settle down? It, it, all of a sudden, I felt like we had to plan out our entire lives because... Um, because of uh, of what was kind of going on, and none of it was too over the, none of it was too kind of overwhelming, I guess. But it was just a lot more planning that we had thought of. Yeah, gay guys are usually portrayed, and I think probably fairly accurately, uh, <laughs> to be rather selfish and self centred. Yeah, and you're entering upon a commitment to look after these new 
humans yeah. for 25 years. Gosh, really? I thought it was, I was think it was less than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you know, it's, can, we, can we handle it? They stay at home a lot longer these days. <laughs> the, yeah, and, and the point is, you don't, it's not just 25 years, it's for life. It's for life. I know, it's true. And I, I, we have put so much thought and effort into it. This didn't, you know, if you think about how it might happen with kind of straight couples, often it can happen either accidentally or, or um, you know, you don't need to give it as much thought, really. You can kind of say, hey, let's, you know, j- bit of jiggery-pokery with, you let's know. Let's make a baby. Let's kind of make a baby and say mm. it's not possible like that in the way that we've gone, gone about it. So we certainly haven't gone about it lightly. But having said that, you know, I, I'm an impatient kind of person, my character, you know, or I certainly have a lot of traits. I'm not, a per- I'm not perfect. Um, no, you know, no one kind of is. And, and, and I guess the reality is we're going to have to, we're going to have to deal with it because we it's what we asked for i suppose we should establish if people <clears throat> for some stupid reason don't listen to um tuesday and thursday <laughs> breakfast uh, that you're expecting twins yeah. but you don't really care about the gender mm, yeah was that a conscious decision because i would have thought two guys would have preferred boys because it's probably a bit easier than two guys having girls or is that my age showing no, that? no it, actually we you, we had no choice so it, there was no choice in the matter so um it, you went so when there's no choice you say well oh well i don't care what what we get i think there's there's you know, in reality, there's pros and cons of both. And, and in our, I think in our lives, we, ha- we have so many women in our lives by way of sisters and aunties and fag ags and girls and all this kind of stuff. So that we would have some of the some of the, the things that w- girls have to deal with, you know, maybe through puberty or whatever. I think we'd be able to handle that kind of stuff. I think that's fine. Um, with, if we had boys, I'd be just as worried about saying, do I have enough strong male straight role models in their lives? So I think there's... On both sides, you've, you've got to make sure, uh, you know, in my head, I think about making sure we've got the right ro- role models and the right people in their lives. I think the perfect answer would be a pigeon pair. A, a boy and a girl? Yeah. I tell you, I'll, I'll tell you now, um, I can feel it in my waters. I think it's a boy and a girl. I do think it's a boy and a girl, actually, but that's just my guess. I, I don't think it'll be wonderful. <laughs> You're with Phil, Gordon and Chris on Joy 94.9, but we were just listening to Bill, Gordon, and not too much of me. As we were talking to Adrian, one of our presenters here on th- breakfast shows a f- mm. couple of years ago that was recorded 2010 in 2010 2011 so you yeah. can imagine the children must be now seven yeah going yeah. to school going and, to school and all the rest of it oh yeah, golly yeah. gosh yeah. but they good luck they to were, them they yeah. were the perfect fathers mm. because they were just so relaxed at the thought of this momentous event that was going to overtake their personal lives mm. but they had it all planned out too they would they did a lot of planning to do the whole thing. This is what it takes for gay couples to have children. I think there's a lot more planning That's has right. to go it's into it. Not as casual. Not as casual. Like you could, like an ordinary straight couple, they just have sex and the baby comes. You know, yeah. the, the baby it was just, called jiggery pokery. Oh, was that what it was? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they've had some jiggery pokery and an they've interesting got a comment though that. Um, if they were boys, he wanted some straight male influence. Hmm. Well, that sort of twisted that old nature nurture yeah, argument. Yeah, but but I suppose some people would, it's probably to anticipate criticism them that people would say, well, those kids are only got you two gay dads as their role models. But they would have had the straight grandparents to be there as well. But the the point is, gay couples are not going to have gay kids. No, no. Oh, no, no, of course not. So you should just 
Chill out. Well, in that show we've been watching, uh, When We Rise, yes. the two lesbians had a straight daughter who married and had children. Yeah. You know, so it, and rebelled against them as a teenager. And rebelled them as a teenager, but came back to them when they, were, when they needed them. Well, who do you think sires the gay children? Well, a straight couples have gay children. Exactly. This is the point. Is that where we come from? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I your thought parents, it was a little... Your, weren't your parents straight? I don't know. We never discussed it. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it interesting that we now accept rainbow families Mm, mm. as part of the scene? Well, why shouldn't we? Well, precisely. But 10 years ago, we had to start planting the seed and fighting the fight Mm, mm. to get the right. As well as those sort of achievements to our community's benefit, We've had the official pardon from the state for the the convictions, convictions of people the word. in you. the back in the early days who were convicted of, of um, being doing beats and being picked up. You're just being born this way. Yes, that's right. Yeah, but then the state, our state government, um, issued a pardon to all those people that, who had been um, convicted and jailed. And, and we did it. it about three or four years yes, ago. It was quite ago. good. Not long ago. Uh, Noel Tovey was one of the, that's right. the people of our elder community mm, mm. who uh, fought for that and uh, got it through for that's us, right. yep. or helped get it through. Yeah. It's happened in UK, England, England, in um, UK, yeah, yeah, because a few years ago, I think 2011, Turing, 2013, yeah, 2013, 2013, Alan Turing was pardoned by the Queen. Yes, and that sort of set the scene mm. that other people who had been uh, inappropriately convicted could have a pardon, and they pardoned that earlier this year in February, and now Germany is getting on board as well. Because would you believe that? There were some Nazi laws, laws, laws yeah. still on the books in Germany. Mm-hmm. And it was about about um, homosexuality. And um, they just left them there. They didn't seem to bother to take them off. Like a lot of these uh, countries have laws that go back for many, many years. And they don't... They don't. They don't get written out of the books because they left there as references, yeah. of course. So now they've, they've. I think they've rescinded the law, haven't they? They've. They've taken the law off the statute books in Germany, and they're going to give them. They, they're talking about paying them um, yeah, financial compensation. Com- financial compensation. Three thousand euro. euro per event, uh, per person, person. but also fifteen hundred euro. For every year, they had their liberty deprived. Yes, by being so, put in jail you know, on that. Yeah. That's uh, mm. 3,000 euros, about 5,000 Australian. So mm. there's a sizable amount of recompense. I don't know whether... And they said there's 5,000 of those people still uh, still living in Germany. So good on them, you know. So now I feel bad for never having been in jail. It's oh. costing me money now. Mm. <laughs> well, it's not yeah. fair. Mm. I don't know whether <laughs> financial recompense can actually heal any of the wounds. Oh, hurt. I wouldn't think so. I, w- I wouldn't have thought so. I, I, I think that the... But it's better than nothing. Yeah. But it's the, an acknowledgement. Yes, but the, it must have been... When it happens, of course, it's deprivation of liberty and the, and the stigma that goes with it and all that sort of thing that you live with forever. And it never. I think the apologies are more for the person giving the apology, if you think about it. Yeah, I suppose so. Do you so. think the stolen generation feel any less stolen? Because they were apologised to? Probably not. Probably not. And same but, here. Like, at least it was an apology, which is great, and it was an apology for the people, uh, the, the the gay community that had been convicted under the laws of the time. But uh, the, as they're no longer on the statute book, those ones, hmm. that's why they have given them a pardon. 
and taken their names off the books so that they can... And uh, poor old Mr. Turing didn't live to see the day. No, no, he committed suicide, which is a problem, yeah. Yes, because but, of what the law did to him. They, that's right, that's, yeah, they, they, they gave him chemical castration yeah, and it, and it made, sent him around the twist and he just thought he couldn't live with it anymore and um, he just decided that was it. So yeah, he, History has a lot to answer for. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, which is why we should learn our history so as not to repeat it. it. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. You're sounding like the Kransky sisters there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Repeating yes, one another. Repeat it. We're repeating, <laughs> repeating, yes. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's interesting the way if you've lived long enough, you've lived through, this, through all this happening. Because um, when I came out way back in 1954... Of course, it was a thing that you wouldn't have done normally. That was before I came out of my mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's when I came out to my parents. Bringing a little joy to your life. Joy 94.9. You're listening to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9 with Phil, Chris and Gordon. Yes, 750. Oh, well. <laughs> Does it make you feel old? Uh, yes, well, considering <laughs> that I've been here the longest. The longest, yes. 17 years on air. I've been doing this, I don't know how many years I've been doing this, um, been there, done that now. It must be about five or six. No, because I've been doing it nearly that. Have you? Well, no, I've been a joy member for six years, I think, Uh, and certainly had no intention of being on air (laughs) at all. At all, but here you are. They made me do it. That must be like a bit of a fairy story. (laughs) Well, it, it, it could be, but a lot of fairy stories have actually got morals behind them. They've oh, we've got, got no morals s- in this room. <laughs> subplots left, right and centre. But but because the program these days is based around gay history and we like to celebrate the lives and events and carryings on of lots of gay people and uh, repeating history so that uh, we can learn from their mistakes or gloat upon their mischiefness. So we're talking today about Hans Christian Andersen, who was born on the 2nd of April, 1805. Now, we know him as a fairy tale writer. Can I just say he missed out on being an April Fool's Day joke, didn't he? Well, he certainly (laughs) did, although, mm, yes. (laughs) But he wasn't really. And I don't know whether people actually ever saw Danny Kaye in the film Hans Christian Andersen as as part of their childhood films or on TV. Mm. It might have actually got to the younger generations the current generations but some of the stories that he wrote actually had a very very dark side to them and it almost has preluded those sort of spooky films that kids now are dished up with but in any story the hero was usually a, a sort of an ugly looking person but he had a heart of gold and a pure inside. Much like the ugly duckling. Much like the ugly duckling, yeah. And, and Hans Christian Andersen himself was not a very attractive-looking man. He was, uh, well, very tall. He had huge hands and huge feet. And he had a very prissy, effeminate voice and, action, and manner. Charles Dickens didn't like him because of his prissy manner, is what he called it. It would be demanding, yeah. I would imagine. Yes, yeah. And so, but he, 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 he just wrote lovely fairy tales, and most of the main characters were sort of taken off himself. Well, he, yes, he wasn't particularly pretty. No, he wasn't at all, had apparently. had very big nerves. Yes. And he was a bit gangly, and he was also socially inept. Can I put it that way? Well, he, he was teased uh, abominably when he was a child because of his looks, of teased course. Teased or bullied? Bullied, bullied. Another yes. thing, bullied that happens to the community, our community, a hell of a lot when the young ones. And But he had a, he had a beautiful soprano voice, apparently. And he went from 
uh, into to Copenhagen and wanted to be an actor or a singer or something in the theatre or a dancer. But I imagine with the big feet and the big hands he had, I might be look like a fan wife. In the air he would have been flopping dancing. around. Yes, yes. But um, yes, but but he wrote all these wonderful, wonderful stories that have that have um, entertained myriads of children. Well, I think over the my years. generation probably didn't know of him, but they would have learnt his stories through the Disney interpretation of mm, them. Mm, mm. And a lot of the, that would take the darkness out yes, as yes. much as Disney can. The, the funny mm. part about it is with uh, Danny Kay playing Hans Christian Anderson, Danny Kay was gay anyhow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, there's a gay well, man playing a gay see, man. That's my visualisation. If I see Hans Christian Anderson in writing, I visualise Danny Kay. Mm. Yeah. Same with Willy Wonka. Yeah, there is only one way of imagining Oh, that. yes, Johnny Depp. <laughs> Go got, outside got you on and wash your mouth <laughs> If I may, <laughs> Bazinga <laughs> As Christian Anderson titled his autobiography The Fairy Tale of My Life And there is actually something miraculous About the transformation of a poverty-stricken Uneducated child into a world-renowned writer But in this particular autobiography We learn that Anderson suffered from dyslexia And agoraphobia not to mention the fact that he was a strict vegetarian, and he also feared being burned or buried alive. So he had his own devils. Yeah, he actually had a, 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 he was in love, very much in love with a bloke named Edvard Collin, and the young man went off and got married, and it was absolutely devastating <coughs> to... That's a slap in the face. Hans Christian Andersen, yeah. And but being dyslexic, he could also go, you could always go back and pray to dog. Yes, that's right, yes. <laughs> in but, dog we trust. In dog we trust. <laughs> but, but when he died, he was buried. He wanted to be buried next to, in a grave next to Edvard Collin and his wife. And One final dig, yeah, and one so final, to speak. Yes. And a bit later, the, the um, family of the married couple had the bodies reinterred so that they were away from... Um, Hans Christian Anderson. Oh, so oh, they split oh, that's homophobia the, for you. The guy's yeah. dead. Dead, and there's homophobia for you. Yeah, so oh. that's the ultimate, I think, in homophobia. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it's um, he's he's buried in the cemetery in Copenhagen. One of his little stories was the red shoes, and vanity is the sin of the anti-heroine in this nasty tale, which was made into an acclaimed film in 1948. Karen's sin of of going to church in bright red shoes and failing to care for her grandmother is punished by her being forced to dance, dance unceasingly yes, that's right. forever. Rest only comes when her feet are cut off with an axe. Nice. Lovely. You know, you know well, the, the, the main male character in that was Robert Helpman. Oh, that's Our right. Bobby Helpman. Yeah. Yes, yes. He was an Australian ballet dancer. An Australian ballet dancer. Of a gay disposition. A very gay disposition who said why I, he would never see, he would never dance in the nude because there were certain parts of the anatomy that didn't stop in time with the music. <laughs> <laughs> the mind's starting to boggle. No, it <laughs> but well, were Dorothy's red slippers, the ruby red slippers, any connection back to the red shoes? Who knows? Could have been. I'm, I can I'm draw actually, a line between anything. I'm actually reading a, a, a book about Dorothy and the and Kansas and all the rest of it. Well, I'm a friend of Dorothy. Yeah, are you? <laughs> yes, oh, apparently. So I've never I. met the woman. My, my Dorothy lives up at Warwick Nabil, though. <laughs> <laughs> I had an auntie Dorothy. And the, when I was living in California, they had a competition on one of the radio stations because the internet had just come out, hmm. or the, the World Wide Web, and they wanted to find dot .com. All right. <laughs> and up in one of the little towns in Northern California was Dorothy Com. And she had no idea what they were talking about. 
thank you for your technical commentary. I'll throw in something every week. <laughs> thank you for listening. And if you'd like to communicate with the program, you can communicate with us. You can write to us. In fact, you can email us oh. at been there at joy.org.au. Tell us if you enjoyed the 750th program, because yes. we've had lots of fun making it, I can tell you. <laughs> Grabs of some of our soundtracks so, from some the of those year 2000. brought back lots of memories. To, yes. uh, 2000 from 2011, 2012, and, and 2009, that's and right. And we're still here. We, I doubt we'll, I, any three of us will make the 1500th show, which is twice no, as many as what no. we've done. Well, you see, the older you get, you, the more inaccurate your counting becomes. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to oh. 3,000 in six weeks. So next next. Next week's might be the 800th show. You never know. (laughs) Join us next week for another show here on Been There, Done That, when we look at gay people, their histories, gay icons, bicons, dicons, events in history that still affect our lives. And thanks for being with us today. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.